back to Free Reeling at your movie-watching podcast with your two friends. I'm one of those two friends, Jesse, and with me today is the other friend, Matthew. Hello. I've been moving an office all day, and my entire body's tired. And so is mine. I've been, I just, my mentally drained. I, we, it's a long week, Rob, but we're coming back from vacation. Oh, well, Matthew never goes on vacation. I'm coming back from vacation. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't know, man. I just want to nap in someone else's bed. Do you know anybody <laughs> that has an apartment to lend me? Uh, well, let's see. Are we looking? All right, so, couple questions. Are you, uh, a philanderer of sorts no okay so so you're pretty faithful i sure okay so <laughs> so then no um we're talking today <laughs> about the 1960 film the apartment directed by billy wilder uh written by billy wilder why do i keep saying wilder that's not it's wilder right yeah it's wilder okay and not just wild wilder, wilder. Uh, and co-written by I.A.L. Diamond. What a name. Yes, what a name. Who also co-wrote Some Like a Hot, and, which is also another Billy Wilder movie. Yeah. Stars Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, Fred McMurray. Uh, Fred McMurray, for everybody knows, of the My Three Sons fame. Yes, but man, Frederick Mac- Fred McMurray... Uh, I, see, I've only, to my knowledge, I've only seen two movies that he's done. And both of them just reek of him. He he should have gotten way better work than than he got, because I don't know. People really love my three sons. I'm, again, not arguing with not arguing with my three sons or the dog or Bub, but uh, he had this the, the in a, in another life this man has just a stellar career. Is the other movie Double Indemnity? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And just looking, just looking at his at at at, at his Wikipedia page, I've also seen The Shaggy Dog, and The Absent Minded Professor. Um. Also, you got uh, Jack Lemon. Yes. Great Jack Lemon. Yes. Of Grumpy Old Men fame. And uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross fame. And, as well uh, as some like it hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And one episode of The Simpsons. Oh, he was in an episode of The Simpsons? In yeah, one episode in uh, 1989. Wow. A number, another summer. And Shirley MacLaine, who is still with us and is in great movies like Terms of Endearment. Mm-hmm. And The Trouble with Henry. Steel Magnolias. And Bernie. Mm-hmm. I think she was in B. She was in the Bewitched well. remake. Yeah. Oh, she was. Yeah, I think okay. she. Uh, she, she was the aunt. I think of that. Oh, she. What's her? What's her name? The 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 weird, even witchier aunt. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. About? That okay. one. Yeah. Who's your daughter again? I forget. I should know, but I don't. I Doesn't should. Does she know. have a famous daughter? I'm pretty sure she does. Ah oh, man, this is gonna. I'm looking. Hold on. Shirley McLean. Oh, a Satchi Parker. That's not Warren Beatty's brother. That's what I'm thinking of, probably. Oh, okay. 
Ryan Beatty's Maybe. your brother. Isn't that wild? Yeah. What a what a what a brother sister combo. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Yeah. I wonder. I, I wonder if uh, if his ego kept her humble or something. Um, isn't she older? She might be. I'm pretty sure she started. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she got. She became. I'm pretty sure she became famous, or at least relatively known, before he did. I, I'm also just guessing too. Let's so. see how old is he? Is eighty? So yeah, she's three years older than him. Okay. She's looking better than him too. Yes. Yeah. So she probably just said, "Hey, hey, 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 Warren, this is how you do it." One of these days, we'll have to cover Dick Tracy for this. Uh, oh, we show. we definitely should. We definitely should. Our second episode was the Phantom. Dick Tracy is not far behind. <laughs> yeah. Except, um, except it's far ahead in so many ways. Yeah. Um, so let's just kind of broad view talk about the movie, I guess. Yes. Uh, movie, s- simple premise. Actually, you know what? No, stop. Yeah. I'm going to stop you right now. First yeah. off, this is our first first episode in 2023 so like the first one we're recording so yeah. happy new year <laughs> um yeah happy new year i mean yeah happy new year and and i know it's not the first one that'll release in 2023 i'm not i'm not naive but i do want to say that this is the perfect movie for new years it's a perfect christmas and new year movie no it's not a perfect christmas movie i don't think well, it happens at Christmas and New Year's. And I, I, Christmas, it happens as much at Christmas as it does at New Year's. That's true. That's true. But I feel like I feel like the way that New Year's is hit in it, it it, it there's like a there's like that renewal at the end of it. We'll we'll get there. It's not a happy um, Christmas movie. A lot of sad stuff happens at Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is yeah, very sad stuff. This. is this is one of those movies too that feels very ahead of its time mm-hmm. at least writing wise yeah not not style wise but writing wise it seems extremely ahead of its time with some of the heavier topics it discusses and also the like resolutions of a lot of things for sure for sure uh yeah and i just want to say billy wilder's films hold up surprisingly well I mean, this one is 62 years old, so, uh, and it doesn't feel like a drag to watch, or it doesn't feel like I'm I'm doing something. It, it's one of those old movies that doesn't feel like you're studying. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're just di- you're, you're just digging the old stuff to, as like a a posture. It's it's just genuinely a great film. It, it's one of the last movies to win Best Picture Oscar that it was in black and white and. It's it's up against the artist and um, Schindler's List, and honestly, if you like said that all three of those movies came out the same year, they kind of you would be you. I think you might be able to trick uh, a a good majority of people. Oh, one hundred percent. Like I think I think I think now you could probably do you could probably do one of those you know person on the street TikToks say hey these three movies came out the same year can you tell me what year it is. And I think some people would actually would, would probably actually guess closer to 1960 than than closer to even 1992. Wasn't that Schindler's List? I think so. It was either, it, it, yeah, it was. Um, double check, but I think so. I think you're right. I think it's it's, it's I know it was. Yeah, it was the 90s. So off, I do know that. Year. Okay. 
So yeah, kind of how. So, so the main hook of this, right, is Jack Lemon's character, um, CC Baxter, is just trying to get up in his company, and he's mm-hmm. learned the best way to do this is to let people borrow his apartment for nefarious reasons. Yeah, and, and by nefarious, mostly just cheating on their partners. Correct. Um, and this causes some shenanigans for him. But what becomes interesting is Shirley MacLaine's character, uh, Fran Kubrick. Kubelik? Kubelik. Kubelik. Um, is someone that's very hard for any... Like, she's very... She's very Shirley MacLaine's very pretty in this movie. Oh, yeah. And she's very, like, smart and witty. And every all the guys like her, right? Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of the thing is in these movies. You have this woman who isn't scared to talk back. And so that becomes the eye of everybody's attention in these movies. And... Jack Lemmon is a very good man overall. Like he, yeah, he's he's doing something devious to get ahead in the company, mm-hmm. but he's not participating in any. Like that's the that's the funniest thing about it is people his his neighbors think he's bringing women home every night. Yeah, and he's not. He's just he's like I rather just sleep and watch TV. <laughs> yeah, to the point where his doctor neighbor is like, "Hey, you should consider leaving your body to science." Um, with all of the noises we hear and all of the liquor bottles we see being emptied like yo you're built different cc yeah so i it's it's i think it's very charming when jack lemon's like oh she's the one that no one can get on the date i'm gonna ask her out and he like almost succeeds the first time around Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like she really likes him and he's always very kind to her so she's like i like this guy is okay overall yeah um but then you got Fred McMurray, who doesn't show up until like forty minutes into this movie. Yeah. And when he shows up, you're like, "Oh, he's just the boss. I wonder what his deal is." Oh no, he is he is technically cheating on his wife with Shirley MacLaine's character. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's that's even delivered as kind of a bombshell too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a big like, oh, I wonder who Shirley MacLaine's going to meet. Oh, it's Fred McMurray. Yeah. And so. It becomes like, how does Jack, once Jack Lemon learns about this, how does he kind of handle how he feels? But then, even on top of that, Fred McMurray never wants to settle. He keeps lying about wanting to divorce his wife. Yes. And eventually, Shirley McLean figures this out by people getting drunk and telling her about it. Mm-hmm. That when he is cold to her on Christmas, she tries to take her life, right? In, yep. his, in, in Jack Lemon's apartment. Yeah. And Jack Lemmon finds her and saves her life with the help of his neighbor doctor. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a thing where she doesn't want to go home. And he's like, you should probably recover. And, um, yeah, they start kind of falling for each other through this. Yeah. Is there anything you kind of want to add right now? Um, I think, uh, plot wise, no. I think, I think you can continue through the plot, but, uh, I would. I'll definitely have things to say about about moments in this movie after. Yeah, so Fred McMurray uh, makes one mistake, and that is uh, making his assistant mad and firing her. <laughs> yeah. Who then has enough of his kind of BS and calls his wife and tells her everything. So that means he now is separated from his wife. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'll just pursue, pursue Shirley MacLaine fully now. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and he give and he, he learns that Jack Lemon helped Shirley MacLaine survive and all that stuff. So he gives him like an exec like a vice president role, basically. Yeah. And one day Jack uh 
friend of mine was like, hey, can I borrow the apartment for Shirley and me to, like, have a nice night? Mm-hmm. And Jack goes, no. He goes, are you sure you, you, sure you want to do that? You sure you want to tell me no? Or are you going to be on the street? He goes, fine, here's the key. And he hands him the key to the executive suite. And he's like, I'm going home. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah. And so Frank McMurray drunkenly is like, I can't believe that Jack Lemmon would do this. That he was such a nice man. What could you believe? And Shirley MacLaine realizes that he did that because he really cares about her. Yeah. It doesn't want to. It doesn't want to have to be put in that situation again. And leaves, and they meet up. Yeah, he's tired of being the schnook with the apartment. And that kind of how the movie ends. But there's a lot of like, in between, really sweetness and charm. With even even the Fred McMurray character, like he's charmingly scummy. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, almost a debonair shitbag, like, for sure. It's something about him just being TV's dad at that moment, probably. Like, no, not at that moment, but, like, he's, well, he's TV's dad at that moment, so. Yeah, I mean, he's what, he's definitely the first thing you or I would have seen him in. Like, he's, like, My Three Sons is the first thing I saw him in, because, I had Nick at night as a kid. Uh, I'm 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 gonna bet that that's probably something you knew. I'm gonna yeah. If if I'm if I'm wrong, okay. Um, but, it's, but it's always when um, like TV's dad at the moment in the hot moment does a different kind of role. Like when people found out that um, what's his name from Full House, Bob Saget. Like Bob Saget was a dirty comedian. It's like once you learn something like that, you're like oh. Weird. Now I can't picture him as that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people learn that one in in a weird way too. They learned that with what was I think they learned it with the documentary about that joke. Yeah, I don't remember what it's called. I don't remember. I don't remember what it's called, but it was like mid two thousands. And and there's other like TV dads that that happens too and stuff. So it's really fascinating when you watch one of these and you're like, oh, that's TV's dad. Yeah. Um. So I think the thing that I, I love the most about this movie is the moment, the, the two days Jacqueline and Shirley MacLaine spend in the apartment together. Mm-hmm. Um, how he's so disorganized because he's never in his apartment. Yeah. And he, and he almost doesn't know how to be there. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't know where anything is because he's never putting things away. Everybody else is. And um, I, I love the jokes. Like, why do you have a tennis racket in the kitchen? He's like, to make spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> Like, don't what? you <laughs> and she and like at first she's she's gonna ask him more questions she goes that's nah, smart that's fine i'm not gonna i'm not gonna press this yeah um and then he makes her spaghetti yeah with the tennis racket <laughs> that's the thing that's really confusing because that happens like the day after christmas right mm-hmm. and then when he's packing the apartment at the end because he doesn't want to live there anymore there's still like wet noodly spaghetti on the tennis racket I'm like, how many times do you make spaghetti with this racket yeah, or or why or why aren't you washing your racket, Jacqueline? <laughs> what kind of stuff did you want to bring up about? So I, one of the things, like I mean, you touched on it very early. Shirley MacLaine is, uh, perfectly cast in this movie. Um, not not. I don't think that there aren't actresses that wouldn't have done uh, a capable job or, 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 you know, 
turn. I don't think you. I don't think you sub Shirley MacLaine out, and this becomes a bad film at all. Yeah, I think that. I think that. Um, she is the perfect choice because she portrays both um, the sympathetic, like, and amicable coworker, as well as the, I'm glad you did what you did, but I'm not sure I'm fully in yet. Um, I'll say partner at this point. Yeah. Um, because like you, you, the, the beauty of this movie and I'm, I am 100% spoiling it now is you do not know how this ends. Like there is no real ending. Um, it has a, like most great Billy Wilder movies. It ends with like a perfect line and I'm, I will save that for later. Not because I feel like we have a lot more to go. Uh, or at least we have more to talk about before we get there. Um, but also Fred McMurray, as as he comes in, it the 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 corporate atmosphere in this movie is, you know, it's 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 it seems like so much has changed uh, from what I know about corporate life, and it's been what 14 years since i've had a corporate job at this point um but it's it seems like so much has changed yet so little has moved in that landscape where you could be you know uh, a drone in sector 7g like homer simpson or whatever and you are several scores of people below the top of the company and every rung of that ladder above you is intimidating and somehow scary. Yeah. Unless, unless you have an in because everybody in this movie, except for CC Baxter is almost obviously scared of their boss. Um, and I, there's probably also been some like, you know, occupational law that is that is that is passed between now and 1960. I I don't know all that history, but everybody is nervous when the bosses are around, except yeah. for CC Baxter, because CC Baxter knows where all their dirty laundry is, uh, and he goes to bat professionally and personally, um, for them to, you know, keep his to keep his spot. And hopefully his fast track to the top. Uh, on co-host recently, I and it was actually the when I had started watching this movie for a second time. I did not finish it a second time, but um, Billy Billy Wilder does this thing in a lot of his best movies, and I'm not going to cite my sources because I haven't seen all of them. I've seen plenty of them, not all of them, uh, but the protagonists are often varying levels of of scoundrels like do i do i think do i think cc baxter is like a criminal of the highest order or or um 
or someone that should be reviled? No. I could actually see an argument where someone makes that point. And I'm totally on board, especially, you know, in the year 2022 where we are now. Um, But the thing about a really good Billy Wilder movie is his characters especially as especially his protagonists are despite their you know chicanerous skullduggery they are to- they are created with an empathy and a love that never diminishes and also the blade with which they cut themselves never dulls the noose with which they hang themselves will never loosen um and that's all that's all executed to varying degrees uh at least throughout the wilder movies that i've seen and because of i think they they last because of that to me yeah totally and uh and i th- and this is probably a, a a close to perfect example of that because CC Baxter does not want to let anybody know what he's doing. I mean, mainly because in a tight knit, you know, I'll say apartment complex, even though it's just a, it's it's I, it looks like a big what brownstone is that what that would be? I don't I don't even know. Um, if anybody saw his bosses or or they would immediately go why are you treating cc baxter like this let the man sleep you know or or whatever he's got a cold and you're trying to borrow his apartment come on it's one of those things where other than technology this movie doesn't have anything that's poorly aged because it's not trying to be more than just a a drama with a nice romantic comedy side. Sure. Where I think you have a lot of movies who are trying to do a lot of things and that's where uh, bad racial stereotypes show up or mm-hmm. um, outdated sexist. Like there's no, like there's no real sexist jokes that are played not sexist. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, correct. Like, there's, there's totally movies all the time in romantic, com- especially romantic comedies, but like in dramas and stuff, where there's a sexist joke, but it's played straight, mm-hmm. not played to be sexist. It's played to just be, ah, oh, look at this. Um, yeah. This movie doesn't do that because it's like these are womanizers, and we're gonna show you that. The, like, and the one womanizer never makes an off-color joke about women. Right. He um, he, he, he he you know he points out his own bullshit before. Yeah. Like cause he he says, oh, you bring other you bring, um, you bring other girls here. No, I'm hap- I'm a happily married man. <laughs> that's early in the movie <laughs> yeah and like there's moments where there's some jokes that maybe aren't as funny anymore like I think I think the part where he talks about the gun and he shoots himself he, he shot himself in the in the, I think in the foot was it in the knee in the knee and so they have that like idea that he has a gun and they show you the gun near the end and then you hear the gunshot and she's like, oh, he committed suicide and runs and he just pops her champagne. Yeah. Like, it's a fun twist, but also at the same time, I'm like, ooh, that's, that's, yeah. that felt real dark out of nowhere. Yeah. 
Especially that there's already a suicide attempt in the movie. I felt like that double one was like, it's impactful, but at the same time, like, I don't know. I don't know if it works as well as it did maybe back then. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'd probably. And thinking about it now, because I did not think about it when I watched it. Um, I think it's because that's that's kind of the advantage you have as an audience member, as you kind of see this stuff coming. Uh, but yeah, that I don't think that that holds up as well as it. Yeah, I don't think that holds up as well as as well as it probably did up to a couple years ago just because just because yeah things are things are, are a little things are a little different <laughs> yeah totally and um i i think i, I, don't, I don't know I, I think to just there like it's hard to say that this movie isn't like it's not perfect because nothing's perfect but this is the closest right. you're gonna get to one of the most perfect like rom-coms yeah it, even though this movie has a lot more drama in it than a romantic comedy it has a lot of jokes and a lot of romance that kind of overshadows the drama but there is some deep drama within it yeah it's it's definitely swinging i mean it's not as sweet or sentimental as something like casablanca yeah but it's definitely swinging for that weight yeah like, totally be, and and I think that, um, like if you were to, if you were to watch both of those move, both of these movies side by side, uh, you definitely say, okay, there's a reason Casablanca holds up as like one of the greatest romances of all time, but I don't think Casablanca does. I think Casablanca is is a wonderful film, but I don't think it does comedy as well as this one does. Um, I also think that there's a certain ideal to Casablanca that feels so distant, whereas yeah. the interactions in the in the apartment seem like they could have they seem timeless. Like it doesn't matter. Like even in today's vastly, you know, technology reliant you know businesses or 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 workplaces i feel like this is one of those that you could move all of the uh details of the characters around in terms of like their backstories like sure we don't have elevator operators in 2022 but like you could shift all of that stuff around and you could still make a good movie out of this story. It might not be the apartment. It might not be, you know, people who work in the same building, but you know, it could, you could move this around because it's done so well, but so I'll also, I, I'll also say kind of vague because like you you mentioned earlier like there's nothing r- really technology reliant there's nothing really indicating the time period other than the visuals like you could definitely take this story and put it in this time period and make something out of it that would be and if you could get you know players like of of the same quality of Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, and Fred McMurray, you'd have you'd have a you'd have a movie on your hands. 
Uh, and it would probably do well. Yeah. You know, it's wild to me, and maybe you can give me a better perspective, because there are some movie blind spots I have that you have fulfilled. Um, Bill, uh, Sean McClain and Jack Lemmon did not win Best Actor and Best Actress in the Oscars that, for the next following year, right? Right. Um, it was um, Elizabeth Taylor and Burt Lancaster who won those uh, respective categories. Even though the apartment won Best uh, Screenplay, Best Director, and Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, so have you <clears throat> seen the movies Butterfield 8 or Elmer Gantry? I've seen Elmer Gantry a long, long time ago because when I told... I think when I told my grandfather that I was really interested in movies, like he's like, oh, well, I go to Blockbuster and rent old movies all the time. If I ever rent one, you want me to call you? Because he lived two houses, he lived two houses yeah. down from us. And I'm like, yeah, call me. And one of, the, one of the things he and I watched together was Elmer Gantry. Um, Would you I don't, say? I don't remember Lancaster? anything. I don't remember anything about Elmer Gantry. Um and this is not the first time I've seen the apartment, but like I remembered most of the apartment. <laughs> I, I'm just so curious why those actors won. I, like I, I maybe I'll watch those movies in the like, next episode. I'll I'll come I'll come back and be like, okay, I get it. But mm-hmm. right now, I just I can't see why you would pick Elizabeth Taylor. Sure, um, but Burt Lancaster over Jack Lemmon in anything. Right, I and and this like I like, I well okay I I like doing little award shows like if for podcasts I've been on or or whatever, um, but I also understand that if I were to if I were like for instance on Story Route Zero we used to do our Game of the Year stuff, I always knew that like it wasn't a podcast statement it wasn't like it wasn't like us as a collective making a definitive declaration this is the best thing of the year but i like looking at things like that where you go back and say oh elizabeth taylor and burt lancaster won best actor and best actress despite you know a film like the apartment where you get just an everlasting gobstopper of a movie with you know timeless appeal and those movies like i don't i've never seen butterfield eight i don't buy you if you would have said i think this is probably the first time i've heard that title name yeah um i've also seen elmer gantry once and i do not remember anything about it that also kind of goes to prove something we talked about in our sight and sound episode um, which is, it's the movies that last that kind of matter the most, even if they weren't the best movies at the time. Mm-hmm. Some of them just last longer. Right. And, and they grow with age. And um, So it's just, it, it, that is something just fascinating to watch. And even if, if I go, do watch those movies, I go, oh yeah, those Oscars make sense. The, those movies, as you said, like, no one talks about them. Like The Apartment. The Apartment's on everybody's like favorite movie list. Yeah. Well, like, well I think... The- and I think the I think when you compare and contrast like sight and sound the sight and sound list specifically for the methodology like yeah I'm not here I'm not here to validate that list because I just like the way that they do it more than anything else. Um, you see what lasts 
what goes the distance. And, you know, Citizen Kane may not be number one, but it's not like it left the top ten, I don't think. Um, it's, you know, like Jean Dielman may not be number one in ten years when that list comes back around. But the thing there, there are plenty of movies that were on the list before but aren't. And that's sort of that to me that like sort of I guess statistical um, cycle is is the fascinating thing about that list rather than what is at number one most of the time whereas uh, you know one of the things that brought me a lot of um, not necessarily joy but it definitely got me more excited than it ever should have but like talking about how bad the oscars were every year because they never got the right thing um and if and if i were to go back and say what i thought were the best pictures of the years that like i had my biggest argument with i could be wrong even now whereas you know a, a movie like the apartment will last I, I was trying to i was trying to make a point i don't remember no no i'm sorry you did i think you did okay good uh i'm gonna say this right now though we're gonna have a, a deep even if it's not a full episode we're gonna have an, a post oscar debrief because i'm i'm this last this last year um i don't know what it is but i've been just really bitten by the movie bug um yeah, I don't know if it's just because of this podcast. We do so much good stuff on this podcast. We do very little bad stuff on this podcast, which is nice. Yeah, we've we've not watched a we've not watched an honest to god clunker yet, which yeah, is like the which, last which honest, I'm happy about. honest clunker was the Phantom, probably. <laughs> and see, and but see, like I think if you were if you were to look at the movies we've covered just without actually doing the episode now, without actually watching the movie, you're like, why did they watch the Phantom? Um. And that's sort of the beauty of doing a podcast with your buddy. You could say like, "Hey, let's watch this and talk about it," because that's why we did it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I know we're at some point we're gonna watch a movie go, and we'll, we'll, we're both gonna be like, "Why?" Um, yeah, at some point. Yeah, I mean, and that it, might be it, next it, week. Or maybe, next week's. maybe. Um, but yeah, so like, I would like to do a post Oscars debrief, maybe. Um, I will try and watch it this year if that's what you want to do. At least, at least read who won. Oh yeah, I can do that. Um, okay, so is there any other kind of things we want to talk about but the apartment? Because I know there's another segment we kind of want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I one of the and I don't I if I said this Jesse already just edit this out. I do like the the, the first because I think I talked about everybody being intimidated by their bosses. But I didn't really talk about the first scene you see Fred McMurray in. We talk about it. Um, I just, I just like that he comes in and he has Baxter just absolutely shitting himself with fear uh, because he's like, so I keep hearing about this a key going around and <laughs> uh, and and there's a there's a. There's a there's almost a little boys club happening and uh, you know a, and you're very you seem to be very popular among the executives. Why? And it's almost like he is 
going to turn the screws on CC Baxter. But uh, he then just he, wants, ju- he just wants him to get another key for the apartment. And he, he's just like, he's just like, hey, so uh, uh, I got tickets for, for this musical, The Music Man. Uh, I'm going to give them to you. Uh, and he's like, well, well why? Well, because I have plans. But what about The Music Man? No, I, I have other plans. And uh, you're going to lend me your key. <laughs> and I, st- you know, shitbaggery aside, I think that scene is just so well written and so well acted. And I, I actually think I actually think it's it's really well shot because it uses angles in the you know, in, in a way that is like they make Baxter look really small. And they, look, they make McMurray look absolutely monolithic in front of him um god billy wilder was such a great filmmaker man he he just he had an eye for like he had an eye for a a sense of surrealism and realism at the same time that mixed super well Mm -hmm. because this is a movie where like stuff like this probably did happen but nothing as fun as this Oh yeah, there's no, no way this. If anybody ever did this in real life, it would be as fun as this movie. Is. Oh, oh hell no! Like I mean, and and like, and I think because I've seen a lot of, I, well, definitely because I've seen this movie, and I've also seen a lot of other pretty, pretty well made movies, both from the time and reflective of the time. Uh, it's it's why I never really got on the Mad Men train. Like I never, it never did anything for me, <laughs> and because a lot of times when I'd see uh, just a man interacting with a woman, I'm just I would definitely think I kind of want to watch the apartment again because yeah, there's, there's something about it because it's so good. Um. Uh. uh but also before we um before we get to our next thing. Um, I do want to shout out a uh, friend of the show, Grace Benfell. Um, she tweeted uh, a letterboxed review from her wife. Uh, and it's a the, the quote that she tweeted is a very wonderful quote, but I would actually encourage you to read uh, her, her letterboxed review because uh, it's one of the best reviews of of anything I've seen. It's really good. So... That, that's 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 my shout out. Are you gonna are you gonna read the quote? Oh, do you? I I you, if you can vamp, I can find. Oh, I, I thought you, I thought you had it. I thought that's what you. Were no, doing. no, no. I just I I I don't remember the quote, but I have thought about aspects of it since. Just give me one second. Do you, do you remember what? Uh... What what the context of the quote is? Because I'm on I'm on Grace's letterbox. So I can see what the ones that she liked. Um, it's I. Uh... Oh wait, where is it? It's just here it is. Um, so you of Wales on letterbox, truly a perfect movie for New Year's. Not just the setting, but it's about being trapped in old habits and filling the ugly roles set for us. And then making impulsive decisions that change our lives forever. Because we simply can't keep living like this. Who knows what happens later. But for now, it's New Year's Eve and the world swings from despair and horror in one minute to hope and love the next. 
The power is rarely in your hands, and yet, with help from your neighbors, you can start to build a life apart from the takers. That's good. Uh, and then the final part, resolution, this and every year, be a mensch. Um, so let's talk about the other subject we wanted to do. Yes. And that is what were our top 10 movies of last year? Yes. Uh, confession time for me. I have exactly 10 films. Because you uh, only watch 10 movies. Eight of them are from this year. Two of them are movies I saw this year for the first time. Well, would you believe I have two lists? Uh, yeah, I would. I would. Because I, you've, you've watched a ton of movies this year. And um, the one resolution I'm going to try to make, and I've actually been, I've actually been vocal to Reba about this, is like, I want to watch more new movies. And that's because of this show. Well, good. And again, let me know. I'll let you borrow any kind of streaming account you want because I have too many. Um, awesome. Since I have two, I will do my first mo- – I'll do my, one of my two lists first. Then you can do your list and I'll do my last list. Perfect. So the, one, the first list I'll do is the top ten movies I watched for the first time this year. Okay. And this was really hard because I watched so many movies for the first time this year. And a lot of them were movies that came out – by this year, we mean 2022 for anybody listening. Yes. Um, I watched a lot of movies that came out in 2021 that I didn't watch until 22, mm-hmm. which was hard because I'm like, I, I feel like I should include these, but I don't want to include these because I want to talk about some of the older ones. Yeah. Um, so that was very hard. So here, here's a list. Barry Lyndon is number one. Should I do from 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Whatever you, For this one, since it's stuff that didn't come out this year, uh, you can do 1 to 10. All right. <clears throat> uh, number two, Broadcast News. Nice. Number three, Come and See. Nice. Number four, high and low. Yeah, buddy. Number five, do the right thing. Perfect. Number six, all that jazz. Nice. Number seven, the player. There we go. Number eight, bullet. There we go. Nine, saving private Ryan. Nice. And rounding out ten, chucking express. Wow. Right? I think that's a very nice, well-rounded ten. I, that's so. You watched In the Mood for Love for the first time this year too. No, I right? did not. I, I saw that like 2018. Oh, okay. I just, I just right. love that movie. I talk about the movie. Okay, before. yeah, no, that I, I, I'm so when you said Chunking Express instead, I was like, I had to clarify this because I know how much you love In the Mood for Love. I have like still like five of those one car movies on that box. That's still to go through. I just I watch one and I'm like, this is my mood for the next week. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not leaving this. Uh, have you watched 2046 yet? I, I have, but I know that's technically a sequel for In the Mood for Love. So okay, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to. We should, we should do an episode on it. Anyway, no, never mind. If we do that, we should do double. We should do one of our f- double feature episodes. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Wong Kar Wai, Wong Kar Wai rules. Okay, so I'm gonna go ten to one. Um, so ten and nine are not the bottom of this list there i did i just had to fill it out because <laughs> i've not seen 10 new movies this year go for but it but 10 and 9 are come and see and the devils those are good those are good choices and uh yeah come and see is is pr- is probably the most haunting movie from this podcast that we've done for me um and the devils is just 
amazing. <clears throat> Number eight, uh, Violent Night. Good, good times. <laughs> Number seven, The Northman. See, I'm surprised that's not higher, but I, I do enjoy that movie. It's not on my list at all, actually. Right. Well, I mean, it's one of the ones I saw, so... Fair. Uh, number six is um, the Batman. Ah, uh, so that's uh, okay. That's fair. <laughs> number five is Glass Onion. Wow, you put Glass Onion over the Batman. Number four, Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. Okay. Number three. Uh, oh, I lost my place. Everything, everywhere, all at once. We have some overlaps on some of these. Number two. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. I still haven't seen that yet. I want to. And number one. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That was very good. I watched that near the end of my uh, my year. Uh, yeah, I I I get goosebumps thinking about that movie. A lot of people, a lot of people hating on that movie because it's not a kids movie, and I'm like, why? Why? When did we stop? <sighs> Never mind. The animation debate's yeah. too, too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> like, but it's like people um, who like who fight saying like animation should be an adult medium too, and then they're like, Pinocchio was a little too heavy. <laughs> Yeah, well, hold hold on, hold on. I need something that I can enjoy, but I need to be able to put my kids in front of this because it's the, it's the only joy I get in this life. No, yeah, no, I'm with I. The, the, Pinocchio is. It it will. I don't think it will ever. And this is just because it's recency. I don't think it will ever surpass surpass the importance that the original or that Disney's Pinocchio has for animation. No. But, but Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is far in a way a better movie. I agree. I, I rewatched. <laughs> so, so one of my challenges for this year is to watch every Disney movie in order. Okay. Animated, not live action. I'm doing that another year. I I, <laughs> I, I did the math and I was like 700 movies. So I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, You'll never um, get through all of it in one year. Like, yeah. I mean, but, well, you but probably anima- could, but it's, you're going to, you're going to be tired. <laughs> animation though, more doable. Um, and I'm trying to rank them as I go. Pinocchio mm-hmm. is second from the bottom after four movies still. It, that's, right now, that's, it, that's four movies, though. It's, four movies. it's going to go lower as, as time goes on. But like right now, Snow White and Fantasia are better movies. Yeah, Pinocchio. no, 100%. Um, they hold up better than Pinocchio does, yeah. too. There's, there's just like... I, and I remember this watching as a kid, and I felt the same way, but watching it as an adult, I was like, this, this movie kind of just drags at points. Yeah, and what's funny is the stuff that isn't included in the Del Toro Pinocchio, which is like the the island that the naughty boys go to. Yeah, that's the more fun stuff in the Disney. The mm-hmm. puppet stuff is the boring stuff in the Disney. Oh, one hundred percent. And this and this and stuff the Del Toro is... movie is all about the puppet stuff. Oh man, it's great. Oh, and, I and it's one of those things that I could. It blurs the line between you know handcrafted stop motion and computer animation i'm assuming there's a lot of both in this film there's probably a good mix yeah but it blurs it so well 
like I and it's probably like I know that there have been a lot of great animated movies that since this came out, but the movie uh, Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit, um, that was to me that was like a landmark in animation at the time. It's a lot of water under that bridge, and a lot of advances have been made, but it was it was brilliant because it's still i think it was still there was i think there don't, i don't remember if there was any computer assistance or or whatever but it's still like watching that movie it didn't feel like there was any and watching this i like being confused as as to whether or not it was hand done or computer assisted because it's just such a it's brilliant looking it's brilliantly written it's 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 no notes it's perfect to me and not really trying to throw that word around willy-nilly but um also like i watched a lot of these in the past like month or so but uh everything everywhere all at once uh I'm glad that people who saw that, especially you, Jesse, um, people who saw that said you should watch this. Um, mainly, and then when I asked when I asked why, you know, and especially like I mean, I basically always t- say if you have something you want me to see, tell me to watch it, and give me a priority on it, and uh, don't really go too much into it. I think the minute people, if anybody started explaining this movie, I would have never been interested. Yeah, totally. I would have, I would have been like, nope, I don't need this in my life. Um, but when Reba and I were watching this, we were like, we were confused, but we never, ever, ever lost interest. And then we started putting it together, sort of about midway through, and we're like, oh, yo, look at this! This is so cool. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and I, I, I hate to say it. Not, I don't think, I don't think the rest of the movies on my list, um, are, uh, bangers or clangers, but, uh, there are only a, a few that I really have think a whole lot to say about. And, uh, if you haven't seen Marcel, the shell with shoes on, uh, please do like the, Pinocchio did a lot for me based on my uh, based on recent history, but Marcel the shell with shoes on just grabbed a hold of my heart and kept it warm for the entire time. It was it's such a wonderful film, for sure. And then uh, and then uh, Glass Onion fucking rules. Very good. Uh, Batman rocks, and yeah, Northman and Violent Night both good films. Uh, let's talk about mine. Let's talk about yours because you'll have more to say about yours than I will. <laughs> and I think, I think everything that you haven't seen yet that's on mine we should probably do as an episode at some point okay. just because I think each one would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't. I mean, don't hold me to that. I'm just saying we could. It would be fun. It'd sure, be fun yeah. So number 10, Barbarian. Uh, a very fun and kind of subversive horror movie. Okay. Number 9, though, is Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, I need to see that. I need to see all of his movies. I haven't seen any of them. I think you'll like them all, but Nope specifically. For a year that I got heavily into Spielberg, 
Nope is a perfect 2022 movie for that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It, nope is Jordan Peele making his own Spielberg movie in a lot of ways. Okay. Even though it's still extremely scary at times. <laughs> um, number eight is 3,000 Years of Longing. A very... Uh, George Miller, the king of having blank checks in Hollywood, uh, went from having a blank check to make Mad Max Fury Road, went to making another blank check movie, which is about, man... Isn't it sad, like, we live such a long life and have all these connections? <laughs> yeah. I um, need to very, see that. I haven't, I haven't seen that. I'm glad it's on your list. because It's, it very, kind of... it's very pretty, and it's a movie I wish more people saw and talked about. Okay. Uh, and it's a very George Miller movie, even if it isn't Mad Max. Um, especially since we saw... What, what was the other George Miller movie we watched last year? It was... Um, um... Witches of Eastwick. Witches of Eastwick. Like, it's a good... Like, you, you can feel George Miller in Witches of Eastwick just like you can feel him here. Okay. Um, then Top Gun Maverick. A movie of substance, not because it has a great story. Not, well, not me to rephrase that. Not because it has, like, a, a new twist on a, a story or anything like that. It's because it's telling a classic story better than anybody else's right now. <laughs> Okay. Like as much as I liked Avatar, which Avatar could have been easily on this list, Top Gun took like Avatar's t- telling an anti-whaling story. Top Gun's talking to doing a hoorah story, and Top Gun just did it better. You know nice. what I mean? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. a really generic story, but it's told in such a fun and exciting way. Okay. Number six, and this is because I'm a sucker for stuff like this, uh, is. Babylon, and that's just because I am a sucker for movies about Hollywood, for with a bunch of big Hollywood celebrities in it, and especially ones that make Hollywood look awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I. When you, t- I think you told me on one of our last episodes about uh, Babylon that that was the point where I'm like, okay, maybe I should look at this. That's one of saw- movies where, where like Reba might be like, hey, I want to watch this movie. You guys watch like the first twenty minutes, and he was like, okay, I'm gonna go somewhere else. Yeah, I, she, she, yeah, she's. She, well, luckily, like we're watching a lot of movies in in our in our bedroom, and oh, yeah. she has to keep her legs elevated because third trimester is pretty yeah. rough. Uh, but like she could she couldn't run from uh, Banshees of Inishir, and I think she wished she could have. Uh, number four is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, it's very Fuck much yeah. a millennial, somewhat Gen Z movie in a lot of ways, and that turns off a lot of people. Um, but I, and, I, and I think a lot of those criticisms were valid. But I think at this moment, this movie just st- spoke to a lot of kids who, <laughs> who are in a weird place in their twenties and almost thirties. Yeah. Um, oh number, yeah, hundred percent. Number three is the Batman. Come on, it's just I saw the movie seven times. How could it not be three? Yeah, it was. I mean, but see, at least the Batman is on both of us. You know, it's on both of our lists, but. At least I can honestly say, and I can say this as you know a friend, uh, it's not on there because you're a mark. Fair, fair. It's on there because it's a good goddamn movie. Not, it's not just a good Batman movie it's either. A good it's, movie. it's a good noir it's a, mystery action. It's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading the script book right now because I got it for Christmas, and there's like I'm picking out the stuff that isn't in there, and it's just so fascinating the stuff that he left out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really small stuff that's really mostly for. Um, fans that he's like, I, I don't, we don't need the fan service. <laughs> yeah. Which is really interesting. Uh, number two is Banshees of Irishun. Um, that's a good movie. Yeah. 
It's a movie about people who realize they have a certain amount of time left and they can't waste it on things that they don't think are important anymore. <laughs> and it's also well, and about then, it, and then it, it's and then it's also misplacing that importance too. Yeah, and, and but it's also about people realizing that sometimes they hold people back and also realizing that it's okay to just kind of like your life the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that movie, like that movie, had that's one of the. the I shouldn't have left the theater with a smile on my face after that movie. But I oh, did. I totally understand why. <laughs> I totally understand why. Um, but I think it's because of the experience of it, not because it was a happy time. Yeah. Um, but that movie is, to me, just as haunting of a narrative as the the lighthouse is as a total package. Oh, totally. Like I am, I am mesmerized by that movie. I'm excited to watch it again. I know it's yeah. on streaming right now. I just haven't made time. Yeah. Uh, and then the, my number one movie, and this should be no surprise for people who uh, w- read what I talk about or listen to me talk about it on. Can I guess? This, yeah, you can guess. Okay. Is it The Fablemans? It's Fablemans. <laughs> I, I have two movies on this on this list that kind of talk about the magic of movies. And one of them is about how you're going to die one day and your life is going to be miserable because you're an actor or you're a producer or whatever. And mm-hmm. people are going to like hate you. I mean, you're going to have to do terrible projects. But if people still watch those movies 100 years from now, you're alive. Yep. And the other movie is about how if you are going to pursue your art, you might hurt some people. But in the long run, you're going to see something that no one else sees. <laughs> And I, I think the I think the latter message is a little more positive, <laughs> um, but it's just something that just encap, encap like encapsulated me the whole time I'm watching it both times, and mm-hmm. it's just something about Spielberg talking about his life. It just it's pretty it's a pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and you, now you yeah. watched way more movies than I did this year, especially new ones. Any other shout outs? Um, I I there there are a few that I watched that were older in general, but one that I watched beginning of this year that came out last year is decision to leave, mm-hmm. which is the park Chan Wook movie that came out last year. And I just, yeah. I didn't have time until earlier this year as a very good romantic thriller in the same vein as like, kind of like, um, Oh gosh, what's that movie? I'm trying to think of it now. I watched earlier basic instinct and stuff like that. It's like a okay. modern version of that. It, and it's it's just fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's a little all over the place at times. Um, I also watched Window and Wild. That was like that's a, like just like Del Toro's Pinocchio. That's just a fantastic animation movie, mm-hmm. but it kind of loses its plot. Okay. Uh, see how they run. A Glass Onion's just a better version of that, but I really like yeah. that one. Um, what else came out this year that I watched? The Menu, really great. Um, a little overbearing at times, but great performances by everybody. Yeah, I and like I, I saw, I saw the superhero movies. Those are really good, uh, mm-hmm. except for maybe Black Adam. But like Wakanda Forever, it's just it's a Marvel movie, and I can't justify kind of putting it above anything else. Even if it is great, it's just it's the best Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's just like that, and like it's it's refreshing because I love Ryan Coogler so much. I just wish it was another like Creed or something. <laughs> yeah, it kind of see now. Th- I'm I'm not a, I'm not the Marvel person you are. I'm not a Marvel person. I'm not a I'm not a 
I don't consider myself a comic book movie person in general. Yeah. I will watch them if if they draw me in, which is the, the last one to do that. Um, was well, I get the Batman, but like the like Black Panther, uh, that was the one that I went out and I'm like, okay, I want to see that one. Um, I kind of feel like the way people talk about uh, Marvel movies or 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 even with the Avengers or, or comic book movies in general. It seems like there's they that is a new category unto itself anymore. Yeah. Like I don't listen to a whole lot. It's of, like a western. I yeah, I don't I don't well see I don't listen to a whole lot of um like film podcasts. Uh, I did for a time but then I just realized oh wait a minute these are just film bros film broing out. Um which I don't think and one thing I do when I listen to our show just to like kind of hate Check myself or, no i i do it i do it i'm i'm masochistic i like to be bad at myself um but one thing about ours is we don't really we don't do the i don't i don't think we do that personally i'm not going to get into that anymore because i'll yeah. just i'll just wander off but i feel like marvel the marvel movies are getting the same sort of uh backhanded compliments in terms of their quality as animation does kind of like i think what kind like how we talked i talked about top gun maverick that's what multiverse of madness and um mm-hmm. i think there was another i think there was another marvel movie that came out like those ones feel like that where it's like this is the best genre movie that you can make at the moment where what kind of forever is telling trying to tell a very good story about loss mm-hmm. and it mostly does it successfully, but it gets just bogged down by some of the side stuff it has to do because it's a Marvel movie and it's yeah. the next phase. Because yeah, because we have to push an entire you know boulder. Yeah. We have to push an entire boulder up a cliff rather than uh, just tell our our sweet tight little story. Um, a couple other like four more notable movies I that didn't make my list for this year. Don't worry, darling. I'm really curious how that movie would have turned out without the, kind of the controversy stuff around it. Um, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I think the actors are really good in it. Yeah, it might be on the nose a bit, but it was fun. And that sound design is incredible in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, um, for some, I don't remember the controversy or anything about that movie. It's not so. behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Wasn't it something? Didn't is that is that the movie that someone spit on someone else? Mm, like at an award oh, show oh, or yeah, something? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that is people thought Harry Styles spit on Chris uh, Chris Pine, but I don't think that actually happened. Uh, okay. Um, People just like to ensue things. Uh, of course. Prey. Prey was a lot of fun. Um, there's some moments where I'm like, ooh, I wish this had more of a budget. Um, but it looked, it, mostly it was a lot of fun. It's just a fun movie. It's good as the first Predator movie. Um, um, Elvis is one of those movies that I kind of loved it, love, and I'm also like, it's bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> it, I think the stuff with Elvis is fun. <laughs> and cool mm-hmm. but it's framed as the bad guy did nothing wrong in that movie which is very weird um yeah there's only one franchise that's ever done that correctly and that's gundam with char asnable yeah and it's, so, <laughs> so it's just i don't know it's just a bit weird and like again it like dabbles in how elvis was inspired and ripped off black musicians of the day but doesn't really say he ripped off black yeah musicians. like it really it really rides that line 
as much as I can. Elvis was one of those movies I, I never wanted to see and I still haven't, but I wanted to read what everybody thought of it. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cite any any reviews or anything, but the the ones that I read, you could definitely tell that they were just thinking about what was on the screen and that what was on the screen has no effect or consequences in the real life. And I was just like, yep, you, you're, you think you're just like, you're the, this is the, you know, just, just stick to sports brand of movie criticism, yeah. not like a point of view of the world you can bring to a movie. Uh, and, and yeah, that's, I, I kind of figured that's what Baz Luhrmann would do. I kind of figured that's how he would go about it. I mean, this is like the best review from Patrick Holmes. Who said, congrats to Baz Luhrmann for making the, fir- the world's first two and a half hour movie trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's how it feels at times, but, like, in a fun way. Yeah. Like, he mixes tox- Britney Spears' Toxic with a little this conversation, a little more action. Like, he like he does stuff like that. I, I think, like, if you like Baz Luhrmann's Great Gatsby, you're probably mm-hmm. going to like Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then lastly, Jackass Forever. What? It was a fun time. And these people got hurt, and it's kind of fun to laugh at it. <laughs> um, let's talk about um, the Jackass talk, movies. Let's talk about our next uh, our next movie. I have two suggestions. I don't know if you have any suggestions. Uh, I did before we started, but I cannot think of them for the life of me. Um, talk about yours, and I'll see what I can come up with. So I say we start the new year off right with one of two movies: an epic, which is Lawrence of Arabia. Or a musical, which is Moulin Rouge. Which Moulin Rouge? The the one with uh, Obi Wan. So the John Huston one. I think so. Or the one with uh, the one from the nineties. Um, Moulin Rouge. Two thousand one. Baz Luhrmann. But come on, it's like Cole Kimmon, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo. Yeah, no, I yeah, I know, I know, but but see, this is just brings back. So the, the the problem I have here, and I we could do that, we could do that one eventually. Yeah, it's right. Uh, I I just I'm not ready to revisit and remember the time around when that movie came out for me that's fair i would like to do a musical at some point oh 100 percent oh 100 100 you know it'd be a good one okay and i don't know if you've ever seen this movie have you ever seen down with love no i have not i've always wanted to we could it's not streaming anywhere you have you, you we would have to rent it if we do it I can um, do that. but uh, i'm down with either that one if we want to do a musical because it's kind of a musical um, yeah. or um, Lawrence of Arabia because I, I kind of want to do an epic. Okay, let's let's do Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. Um, just because it's been, I think, close to 30 years since I've seen it, so I would love to watch it again. Okay, we're going to do Lawrence um, of Arabia in two weeks. Yeah. Um, Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on co-host at cohost.org slash infinite dash rewind. 
uh, and that has a link to everywhere else. But look for me there. Follow me. Talk to me about movies. I'll I'll talk about movies. I also talk about others. I get rambly on co-hosts, so I apologize for anybody who who hops on. Um, that's that's the problem without a character limit, I guess. I don't know, uh, but I feel like my, I feel like my thoughts are more me on co-host than anywhere else. You can also find me co-hosting a couple other podcasts. Um, one is with Jesse's and my mutual friend Caroline. It's called Trivial Merit. She and I talk about music. We make eight song playlists to get us from a negative mood to a positive one. And uh, nec- we are recording the next one in a couple of days. Uh, we are doing Tom Petty. But chances are it will be two or three artists later when you actually get this, just because I know we have several episodes in the can right now. We do at the moment. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and then you can also find me uh, joining the folks at Scanline Media on their Bald Gun Guy podcast, which is a podcast, which is a playthrough of the modern Hitman trilogy. We are about to uh, wrap up Hitman 2. We are finally going to tackle the first, uh, or no, the second DLC for Hitman 2. We're going to tackle Haven Island. And I'm excited for that. That's, that's 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 a fun one, I think. So... Gun, their gun guy pod on Twitter, and uh, scanlinemedia.com is where they do you. They do everything. They have everything there. It's all. It's all good. Jesse, where can folks find you? Now I'm that I've some, stumbled over myself, so I'm much. somewhere on the internet. You can figure <laughs> me out. It'll be in the link somewhere. Um, you can find this show still on Twitter at Freewheeling It for whatever kind of movie questions you have. Um, email us at freewheeling at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, lastly, who does our theme? My buddy Jason. He goes by the name Deadeye, D-E-A-D-I, all caps when you spell the man's name. You can find him on Spotify, Bandcamp, all the streaming platforms. His newest album came out. Uh, it has it has our song, It has our theme song on it. It's called Bloodshed Kingdom. It's a wonderful record, and uh, it's very good instrumental, reggae-adjacent uh kind of vibes it's it's a it's a it's a fun album he also was part of a duo back in the early 2010s called the hope street steppers that released one of the best reggae albums i've ever heard in my life it's called black lightning check him out uh on all of those projects and uh support him he's a wonderful nurse wonderful friend and a great father thank you guys all for listening and remember shut up and deal (laughs) i was gonna say we're happily married men (laughs) (laughs) One of those works. (laughs) 